Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. One of my favorite series uh, that we do is uh, Justice in the Law with J.L. Carpenter. It's, it's uh, a fun series that, uh, you know, has is, is been inspired by the true crime craze that's so common uh, today and so hot today. Um, and... Almost all of these shows, they're, they're fascinating. That's, that's my, one of my favorite pastimes is watching these type of programming. Um, but, but very few of them go into depth on what the courts are talking about, and how lawyers are thinking, and how judges are thinking, and how things turn out the way they turn out. And that's the kind of stuff we do with JL. She's very well known, very established defense attorney who's also worked as a prosecuting attorney in her career. Uh, she brings that unique perspective that only an attorney can bring, and uh, we love having her on the program. She's handled some major cases. It's not unusual for me to be watching uh, news here in Houston and seeing another case that she's been involved in. Uh, really with uh, some extraordinary success. So we love having her as a resource. Um, JL, welcome back as always. Um, a little bit more about your practice, and then also make sure you mention your website. Thanks, Kevin. And I love being a part of this series. It's so much fun. My website is jlcarpenterlaw.com. I practice criminal defense in the Harris County and contiguous county areas, Galveston County, Brazoria, Fort Bend County. Um, serving the folks who I think are either misunderstood or falsely accused. Yep, there you go. And uh, there's a lot of both going on. Um, very, very interesting story that has me two implications. Uh, when I sat there and watched, it was extremely well done. It was in the, it's Netflix, right? We saw it on Netflix, uh, That's Killer correct. Sally. That's yeah, right. Killer Sally. Uh, everyone knows I have a preference for Netflix, although I love true crime, period. Uh, but when it comes to true crime, there's something special about uh, Netflix and the way they do it. Killer Sally, fascinating story about a woman who uh, killed her husband uh, after being uh, subject, according to her, to uh, years of abuse, and it was in the middle of such abuse. Uh, abusive action that she killed her husband and uh, the story is very thorough in the way it covers what happened a lot of talk about what the attorneys uh, were uh, thinking about and what was being done and it, it was very well done and very complicated story and she was a very she both her and her husband were very colorful characters weren't they mm -hmm. They sure were, and um, what an unfortunate character name in the beginning to be known as Killer Sally, and then have this as the ending of your story. Absolutely. Yeah, that was done for, it was kind of a shtick sort of thing, right? It was part of her marketing. That's right. And, you know, I think that's part of what was working against Killer Sally in this um, situation with her husband was because she was a bodybuilder. She was large and muscular for a woman. She had a reputation of being aggressive. And then she has this, you know, marketing scheme of being Killer Sally with these huge muscles and machine gun. And it's almost as if, well, you can't be that person and also a victim of domestic violence. Right, right, exactly. And so all of this, you know, as we were watching this, you know, let, let's go ahead and get to the chase because I want to have a conversation with you about 
well, you know, fast forwarding. Uh, this happened a couple of decades ago, and it, it, it got adjudicated uh, where, in the middle of a fight, she ends up uh, she ends up shooting him. Um, and uh, in, in, in fact, the part that is really complicates things because maybe maybe today in two thousand two twenty two rather him you know she killing him would have led to um, her being her being uh, acquitted if she only shot him once. <laughs> right. So I think that was. But she did not the, shoot him once, and that's that the part was, I think that makes it very complicated. Exactly. That was one of the complicating factors was the fact that she shot him twice, and the forensics showed that the shotgun casing fell in a different room um, where the bullets were so as if she walked back there to reload and come back and shoot a second time therefore she's she's going over her self-defense right um and the fact that he didn't have a weapon but she did uh that was another way that they were trying to get around this self-defense and she said but he was a weapon because he was also a bodybuilder and so big but uh you and I talked about whether or not if this happened in 2022, would things be different? Well, I think we've grown a lot since then. This was in uh, 1995 on our education about domestic violence. And I brought to your attention, there was a case in Harris County in the last week or, or two where a victim of domestic violence was struggling with a gun with her abuser and it accidentally went off. The prosecution charged her with murder and the jury acquitted her and found her not guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there was similarities between this and uh, the so-called Killer Sally case. That's right. And mainly because of the fact that you have a a history of domestic violence in these situations. um, And the case in in Houston recently, she shot him by accident, not necessarily self-defense. So there's some other issues, legal issues there. But going back to Killer Sally, the first thing I would say is, oh, my gosh, watching her interrogation, and they did not play the whole thing in the series, but it makes a lawyer like me cringe because I just want her to stop talking and ask for a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the one lesson that we have in every one of our interviews is get a lawyer. I, I have the same advice. Um, you know, when my kids, uh, before they become teenagers, as they're about to become teenagers, if something happens and you do something boneheaded, you know, or you're hanging out with friends that do something boneheaded, you and are questioned by police, you simply say, I cannot and will not. My parents don't give me permission to answer any questions, and, uh, and so I cannot answer any questions. I, I, I have to have uh, the advice of my parents and, or, or, and an attorney. And uh, they were all trained to do that because really you get down to it. The police are in the arresting business. They're really not in the justice business. Now, justice often happens because of police efforts, but they're more, I think, generally more interested in numbers than they are outcomes. Well, I think in this situation, she was treated very kindly under the circumstances, but she gives three versions over the course of all these hours of interrogation of what happened, and that is used against her at trial by the prosecution, when I don't think she necessarily meant to give three versions. I don't think she was trying to mislead anyone, but, you know, sometimes 
when you're telling your side of the story, it doesn't come out the way you think it's coming out. And those words get used and twisted against you later down the road at trial. And that's why it's best just to keep your mouth shut and ask for a lawyer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in this story, I remember the story, of course, you just sent it to me, I think, yesterday. I read it. Uh, it's fascinating, uh, the, the parallels. But she shot him twice, uh, once, correct, in this case? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's correct. And that is the big difference. It, it, it'd be interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, I would think that even today, if, if the uh, person shot the attacker twice, uh, when when this first shot clearly incapacitated that person, that uh, I, I, it'd be interesting to see how that would adjudicate. The other reason, the the other situation here is remember in 1995, people folk, most people didn't have cell phones, um, so there wasn't a whole lot of proof that. Sally was a victim of domestic violence, and she was very quiet. She came from an abusive family. She enters a, an abusive relationship, just which is typical. She plays the role of a codependent wife, and she loses herself in serving her husband to make his life spectacular for him. And then he cheats on her. So then she becomes the martyr. How could you possibly do that to me after all that I've done for you? But she doesn't have anyone to confide in about her abuse, and she doesn't have records or photos. In the case in the last week or so in Harris County, there's a long history of the uh, text messages and phone calls that the abuser was sending to this uh, young lady um, showing his dominance and dominance and showing the relationship being uh, violent. So she had a record in this current case that Sally didn't have to show at trial in her case. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Technology helps a lot. Uh, and uh, I think generally, now that's an interesting question. Um, is technology helping defendants in a way that it had not uh, 20, 30 years ago? I definitely think so, and that's another part of Sally's uh, downfall was that, you know, she relied on a court-appointed attorney, which is, I'm not saying that his work was bad, but you're, you're, you only have so many funds, and so she didn't have funds granted at that time for an expert to combat the forensics that the prosecution was putting in front of the jury. So the uh, forensics regarding where the bullet casings were found or how the blood spatter was on the lampshade, those sound great while the prosecutor is presenting his case. But I wonder if there would be another story had there been a defense expert there to counter those. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you watch the interrogation, uh, you know, it, she really positions herself in the worst possible manner uh, in terms of uh, uh, being very contrite. Uh, I think she came across contrite. Uh, on the one hand, yes, I was abused. On the other hand, I probably could have done it differently is how she conveyed it. And that was exact, exact words. You know, she gave, she gave a lot. You know, and, and that's typical, right? A lot of people verbally work through things. And I think she was doing a lot of that in her head, you know, sure. thinking out loud, as they like to say. And you can't think out loud without your attorney and in front of cops. 
Sure. And then, of course, it's her choice whether she wanted to testify in her defense at trial. That's not the lawyer's choice. That is her choice. He can say whether he thinks it's a good idea or not. And in this case, he didn't think it was a good idea. And he was right uh, because she doesn't testify well. She comes across just as you said. Um, but she made that choice. And I, I think that that also was another nail in the coffin. But one of the things I saw was from her daughter testifying that or saying in the series that, you know, mom, Sally always thought things were going to get better. He's going to change. Things are going to get better. We're going to have the life we want. In the cycle of domestic violence, things never get better. They always get worse, and somebody is going to end up dead. Um, I have a colleague, Makisha Walker, and she wrote a book, But Why Did You Stay? And there's a website, butwhydidyoustay.com. And now she works as an expert in some of these types of trials to talk about why strong women stay in this cycle of violence in domestic violence situations. Um, but it never gets better. It only gets worse. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they have these little honeymoon periods that last you know, days and lucky weeks and all that does is make them more emboldened about staying. Um, But long-term wise, the results are are disastrous. And and that was the case here. All right. This is fascinating. You know, it's hard to say. It sounds like your gut tells you that uh, uh, certainly would have fared better in today's uh, court situation uh, than she would have uh, obviously did back in the nineties where she's still serving in prison. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, final thought as we wrap up, it goes back to what I say a million times. Just exercise your right to have a lawyer. Don't talk. Even if you think that you could explain everything away for, for your own sake, keep your mouth shut and ask for a lawyer. Yeah, I think in, in these situations we're describing, the most endangered person is the person who's probably innocent. That's right. Absolutely <laughs> because they're, right. They're emboldened. They've got they've got the truth on them. They can even be honest and candid. And uh, you're talking to people who have a very black and white view of things. They're looking for inconsistency. They're out to get you. That's just how law enforcement works. And uh, by the way, I totally support law enforcement. What would the world be without them? But you've got to understand their role. Their role is not justice, in my opinion, as much. Yes, justice, but not as much as uh, the mandate they have of keeping criminals off the street. And that that becomes like blinders for uh, law enforcement, I think. And so fascinating conversation as always. Great topic. Uh, Make sure you check out Killer Sally. Very well done. She's a very sympathetic character. Um, And it's always fun to ask questions about what if. What if it were 2022? All right. Thanks so much, Gail. Thank you, Kevin. Look forward to chatting in the new year, and I hope you have great holidays. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business.